we attach money too much as a value of who we are, right? Rather than maybe a measurement of what we're doing at this point in time. And if we're not sharing, if we're not sharing our financial data with each other, why do we think other people should share with us and give us insights? family you are listening to concrete pastures podcast i am nancy thank you so much for tuning in today for anyone who is new on our platform this is a space that allows myself and others to share our stories as we deconstruct the world's view of an immigrant status we unlike the joys the laughs and the bravery that being a dreamer brings so subscribe like share and stay a while as we dive into today's episode I'm super excited to introduce our guest today. I met him at the U.S. Africa Business Week. He was one of the amazing panelists. I mean, I had to bring him on. He's an attorney, entrepreneur, angel investor, and speaker. His name is Achiboro Atande. He is a dynamic individual with a diverse range of skills and experiences. With a background as an attorney and a successful entrepreneur, he has a unique perspective on helping individuals and businesses achieve their goals. Not only is Achiboro an angel investor, but he is also a four-time entrepreneur, having founded and operated two companies. Uplift Communities is a company that educates adults, teens, and children on financial literacy, entrepreneurship, leadership, life skills, college readiness, and workforce development. Achiboro invests in early-stage startups in the U.S. and Africa. He has also spoken on Fortune 500 companies, UN-related events, universities, and other events on entrepreneurship, leadership, and investing. He has also read 200-plus business, investing, and self-development books per year. Like a true immigrant, he has traveled to 30-plus countries and plans to visit another 100 countries in the next 20 years. Let's welcome our guest, Achiboro Atandi. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for the warm welcome. I appreciate it. I'm oh, excited. such an honor to have you. I'm, I'm jealous that you are in Jamaica. <laughs> it's actually, I have not, I've traveled a lot, but I have not really been to the Caribbean. Really? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, in a way, when I was younger, people laugh at me about this, but I used to think about, uh, I come from, uh, we, we immigrated to the U.S. and it took me a while to start accumulating quote unquote success, right? But when I was, when I started being able to travel about 10 years ago, uh, I always looked at the Caribbean as a very rich, fancy destination, right? As one of you on the trains in New York City, you see like, you see the Sandals Resorts and you only see uh, a specific type of person who's going to that. And I I just, super expensive. So it was always out of my mind until really the last two, three years is the first time I've been to the Caribbean three times now, Aruba, Puerto Rico, and um, Jamaica now, so. You're going to the expensive places, the ones (laughs) you're seeing on the train, because Puerto Rico is expensive, very, I don't know, they even have exclusive, all-inclusive uh, resort. I, I've been to Puerto Rico, but I was working, so I didn't pay for anything. Aruba <laughs> is super expensive. 
So you are enjoying. Um, you're enjoying. We'll, we'll get into your, you know, your richness and all of that. So <laughs> your success. But I know you are my fellow immigrants. You are from Ghana. You came here when you were young, yeah, really young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, from doing my research, you've lived in BX. I didn't know that you were living in. Yeah, I lived. In, I lived in the Bronx until high school. Um, and I, at post high school, I lived in Westchester. So oh. I think um, something I try to share with people, especially when we uplift communities where we work a lot we do work in bronx inner city brooklyn etc and i think with entrepreneurship is specifically that grit and that toughness that comes from growing up in these environments will let you make it through almost anything a lot of business is about surviving and being able to take punches in the mouth um, so, so i the bronx definitely gave me that and i appreciate um i appreciate that those lessons i mean you gotta be tough i i i was not raised in the bronx but when i faced came to this country 21 years ago, I was surprised by the Bronx. And living there, I just had to like focus yeah, and yeah. mind my own business. But definitely, I can see where you're coming from when it comes to like, uh, when you have that core of uh, being tough, business will beat you up <laughs> in, in yeah. ways. So at least you have that background of, uh, you know, I got to be tough in order to survive. I got to be tough. Um, so we're already talking about business, which is something that you are passionate about. What advice? I just want to start from here, actually. Like, what advice would you give to upcoming entrepreneurs? So I I had dinner with one of my really good friends, Bunyamin Taskapin. Um, he's phenomenal. He's a trust attorney, to say the least. He runs uh, people who are mega wealthy, their trust. And when I was first starting out my business in law school, um, I started my first company at the end of law school, uh, my third year. He told me that I should take the bar. Um, he told me I should take the bar, that I should have something in my backup plan. And I did not listen to him. Um, I said, no, I, I'm a passionate about this. I'm going to continue doing this. I don't need to take the boss. I did it two years later, um, essentially making no money, <laughs> no money, uh, figuring it out. I realized that um, he was right. He was right. And so one of the biggest things I tell people, um, the big lessons from that, don't quit your day job, right? Keep cash coming in. I think many people are sold the story that we have to quit our job and just jump into it uh, head first. And I would actually say that most people should transition into entrepreneurship. It should be something that they're doing one, two, three, four, five hours after work, before work, on the weekends as well. And then as they build up the clientele and the cash flow, one, they can either hire out and expand, which is what I would suggest, or they can uh, go into it full time when they have the cash to cover the expenses plus grow the business. So that, that's my biggest suggestion to entrepreneurs is keeping your day job. Um, don't think you're less of an entrepreneur because you're doing something something that keeps paying the bills, that's actually a key part of the process to actually succeed in this. There's so much pressure, you know, on social media, everybody, you know, you just pointed it out. Um, I left corporate after these many years and I just jumped into my my business and it's so successful. And this is the story that we are sold. And for some of us that are starting out, it's just like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what am I doing? Still working and I'm not putting my hundred percent on my business and you know i'm glad that you mentioned that because um there's a lot of feelings out there there's so many people that are starting out and i'm in the community with them and we always asking each other like when when is the cutting point as to when do you feel ready as to okay i can leave my corporate job now and work full-time on my business yeah and um i think it's something i'm also going to highlight and talk about because i usually talk about this um on the side or sometimes when i'm 
on stage. But because entrepreneurship was romanticized um, so much, people think they are, people have this notion that they're failures when they're actually just going through the process, mm. right, of being an entrepreneur. And uh, it is, it's mostly downs. We, the ups are amazing. Don't get me, the ups are amazing. But when you're starting off, um, usually it's mostly downs. And I actually am more worried about people who succeed early uh, because sometimes it builds in bad habits, right? Okay. We all can get lucky. I don't get me wrong. I want you all to I want everyone to do really well, but we all can get um, full of bad habits if we, we're not doing the right things. We don't have the right systems in place. We don't have the right people in place. We don't have financial management tools, etc. And you just see this big influx of um, orders or cash, and then you don't build the right type of discipline. So when the hard times come, the business collapse. Uh, so that's something that I really want. It's failure is part of the process for the vast majority of people. All right. And that's okay. I mean, some of us, a lot of people do take failure to be something that really had to come out to, to come out of. What advice would you give to someone? Because you've been at this for a while. And what are the lessons you really, truly learned from uh, failure? Sorry, like no one really tells you about the stress of <laughs> managing a business, the uh, cash flow management, the employees, if you even have any, and then managing yourself and just everything about business itself. The sleepless nights of uh, calculating what you're going to do tomorrow, what strategizing, all of that, the, the effects of it. I actually recently talked about it, but huh, I would love to hear from you who's been doing it for a while. No, that's, I think those are great points. And stress is one of the biggest ones. I think as we were starting uh, this conversation, I said that I'm in Jamaica right now. Uh, I've been working, um, this is the part people don't see, right? You're working 70 to 90 hours per week. Um, and my friends have been telling, my business friends have been telling me, hey, I think you should take a break because they see what's going on. And um, I think you should, and I couldn't. For the last two, three weekends, I couldn't take a break. So I finally said, you know what? I'm going to come out here, try to shut down for a few days and, and reset. But what you can do regarding stress, and this is why I keep on hearing it's part of the process. So while I, I read a lot, and one of the things that I love to read is books, autobiographies or biographies of other entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. successful entrepreneurs. And what you'll see after reading their stories, you'll see if it's written <laughs> truthfully, um, you'll see uh, really a timeline of failure, right? And you'll see so many times that they were um, almost at the brink of bankruptcy from SpaceX with Elon Musk to so many other people who went through it. You see, that's actually the real story. Like there's a romanticized part and we celebrate people. Steve Jobs, people don't realize when Steve Jobs came back to Apple, they were a few days away from bankruptcy. So, and now Apple is what the, the largest uh, company in the world in terms yep. of revenue in some ways. So understanding that and seeing, especially the super successful ones seeing, hey, that was part of their story too. That can give you, that can de-stress you a bit, but this goes back to my first statement about make sure you keep your day job till you really have this, um, you really have this running well. Okay. okay. So, and don't burn bridges. <laughs> um, do not burn bridges. Don't say, hey, I'm leaving this job. I'm never coming back. You you never know, right? You never know. And humility, actually a second thing, humility. One of my biggest issues with my first business, I could not ask for help. I was like, hey, I'm this attorney who does um, strategic advising. I can't seem to be uh, someone who doesn't know everything, right? Uh, I, I have to be perceived as someone who knows, has all the answers all the time. And that was, I think, one of the key reasons for my failure of my first business. So being humble, being humble, being able to say, hey, I don't know this. While you're working really hard to figure out the answers on your own, that's going to, and being open to um, accepting other people's help is going to take you far.
far. So that's something I would say. Being having that humility is uh, because a lot of people are rooting for you. A lot of people are rooting for you. Some people aren't. <laughs> that's the truth. It's Some true. people aren't, but a lot of people are rooting for you, and that makes you, that humanizes you a bit, right? A lot. Of time we see these people. We see them on screens. We're like, oh, they live perfect life. We don't. We have stress. We have. Some of us have children, uh, family, yeah. right? Um, so much going on. Sometimes I know I talk with all of my fellow. But we talk to each other. Uh, cash flow issue. I have friends that are owed hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, right? <laughs> and and they have to run their payroll, but people aren't paying them. Yeah. Because of the limelight of success, they can't really say anything, and that's all this pressure. Not necessarily because of something they didn't do. Somebody's just not paying them what they're owed. Um. So I would say humility really, uh, really will diffuse some of the stress that you you feel in this. No, that's really good advice. I want to get to uplifting, uplift communities. What inspired you to create this community? <laughs> so it's interesting. You, you talked about my background, right? So I am an attorney, four-time entrepreneur, yep. angel investor, speaker, and as of, I just accepted a, I just accepted a position to be an adjunct professor at Parsons University. So, nice. but I didn't learn any of these skills before law school, right? And how many hundreds of thousand black and brown people um, in New York City let alone the millions around the world who have not been taught any of these skills, mm. right? Skills that you really need to succeed in life. And uh, just, it was been on my heart for a while. And one of my friends, Jeff Lindor from the Gentleman's Factory, he actually told me, uh, I plan to do this after I became wealthy. I wanted to go back, speak, do for free. Um, because one of the things I knew growing up, I wouldn't listen to somebody if I didn't feel like they were somebody I wanted to learn from. Right? Yeah. So that's how to develop report quickly. And he actually showed me there's a budget and there are schools that are actually looking to have long engagement or long engagements on this. So that's where Uplift derived from. It was my want to give people the skills that I wish I had. And we, mm. we're doing that with schools. We're doing that middle schools, high schools. We've done work with prisons, Rikers. We're on, on demand in Rikers, actually. So that wow. one's, um, yeah, that, that's, that's been great. And we've done some work with other some, uh, jails around the city. However, uh, one of the next things I want us to grow into is to work with more with adult populations um, in general around entrepreneurship, leadership, and work workforce development because I'm very worried, uh, especially in the black and brown community, what's going to happen around AI, robotics, and automation. Yep. Uh, if we don't rapidly upskill, the the poverty we experience now is going to seem like a like it was the good times if we look at it in 50 years. So I'm very worried about that and I want to be part of the solution to making sure we don't have that dystopian future. Um, You guys provide uh, financial literacy. Why yes. do you think that's important for communities? So, so this is, it's, um, this is interesting, right? In running my first business, I was working 18 to 20 hours a day trying to make this work. <laughs> I'm trying to make this work. I was working myself into um, into oblivion. And uh, at some point, I realized that I need to start making my money work for me, right? I need to start making my money work. And I thought it was, but I thought it was in my business. But sometimes, and this is something I got from Ian Dunlap, uh, sometimes you have to look at who's a better CEO than me? Who's a better leader than me? Let me see if I can invest in their company. If, I, I, if they have the right team around 
around them, they have the right ego, they're driven, and they have the right product. Let me invest in them. As well as I'm still doing my own thing, and that's what, what where financial literacy came from for me is, okay, what happens when I get sick? Is everything super dependent on my success? Which don't get, I'm betting on me, but <laughs> I still have to, I still want to bet on other things, right? Diversification is, is an amazing tool. I yeah. still want to bet on other things. So that's where it came from for me. On top of that, I think one of the worst to, could be you can be business wealthy and still lose money because you're not financially savvy, right? Um, so so that's uh, another thing which we try to communicate. There's many different ways to gain wealth. It's not everything's through entrepreneurship. A lot of people have their nine to fives and they're able to become multimillionaires because of whether they're investing in real estate, whether they're angel investing, whether they invest in stock markets, whether they have a bond portfolio, etc. There are many paths to wealth. So we're trying to educate people to find what's the best natural fit for them. And on that, just for everyone, I would highly suggest, there's a ton of great books, but I would highly suggest the um, the book Psychology of Money, right? For everyone to go read the Psychology of Money. I don't think it's talked about enough, but I think that's a great book in terms of helping people understand that. Why I ask that? Because we don't really talk about money like that in our community. It's like a taboo. Um, me being an African, oh my God, we can't even truly talk about money. And then even African-American here in the U.S., it's the same story just keeps going and um, I'm happy that you guys are taking that and running with it and educating our community um, in that way. I used to do it a lot for homeless shelters, like for women especially. It's so giving to people because you'd be surprised what people are not aware of in terms even like something like building their credit and mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm curious, what, what does that look like for you guys when you're providing financial literacy aside from investing and all of that? So like you said, budgeting, building credit, uh, mindset. That's why I said like, mindset is so important in terms yeah. of why are we so afraid about talking about money, Yeah. right? It, it's not talking about it going to increase our wealth. It, it, it's not. The more we talk about it, the more we educate each other. Okay, how much are you paid at that job? Oh, wow. How much are you paid? We attach money too much as a value of who we are, right? right? Rather than maybe a measurement of what we're doing at this point in time. And if we're not sharing, if we're not sharing our financial data with each other, why do we think other people should share with us and give us insights, right? If we're not getting insights from our own family. So we we talk about that goal planning, vision. So one of the things, and I, I'm going to circle back to money because I think that's at the root cause of many things that's going on both in the African community, in the African American community, and even in the uh, Latino community as well, because we do a lot of work with the Latino community. Yeah. It's this conception that one, a fear of admitting that we don't have it, but two, I think a lot of us are programmed not to really go after money in a way or be open to say, hey, we want to become wealthy. And something I, I wish I remember the gentleman's name, but I was watching something where he was talking about how we're programmed. We're programmed actually to disdain money from youth. So you have to be very mindful of what you're watching and what your children are watching. And the key, hopefully somebody can watch, read this in the comments and we'll be able to highlight the gentleman who named this so that person gets their credit. We'll have it by that time, yeah. <laughs> so that person gets their credit, but he talked about how if you look at it, um, super, uh, the villain superheroes will use, uh, excuse me, the villains in uh, superhero movies or superhero will usually rich, rich people, right? So what you think that that is programming around um, in children, what you think that's programming is like, is this, this anti-wealth mentality. And if you don't like money or you think money is bad, you cannot truly go after it. You're dispelling it, right? So you can't truly become wealthy if you think it's bad. It doesn't make your, your it won't, it won't match your vibration, right? Yeah, you 
attract so what you want. Exactly. And you dispel yeah. what you don't want. Yeah. And so these are these are things that's doing it. People say <laughs> he had a funny thing. I'll, I'll let you watch it. He, but he had a funny thing about um, some other superheroes. One thing I'll say, he said Iron Man. People say, hey, Iron Man's the wealthy one. But they made Iron Man narcissistic, right? So they're always giving some key character floor. That's not that's not something you necessarily want to have yeah. to the people with wealth, um, typically movies. Or um, that's something that's something we really have to work on. Thank you for that. I want to also jump into you're an angel investor, and <laughs> a lot of people. I work with few people back home, and they want angel investors. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's that blurry line. Uh, people advertise as angel investors, and then it, beca- it turns out to be something else. Could you just explain what an angel investor is, and then after that, I have a follow-up question. Okay, so for me, an angel investor is somebody who's willing to put capital into a early stage startup. Um, it could be later stage, but typically early stage startup. Um, and what you're looking at as an angel investor, the reason why people call angel investors because it's kind of at this point, this business, um, I don't want to, we're not saviors. We are not saviors, but it's, it's, hey, this person saved me or saved my dream, yeah. right? You're at, this, you're, you're at this stage where nobody really has the belief in you yes. because it's so, you're at such a risky point. So you view these people, these investors as angels in a way. So that's kind of like the connotation around angel investor. Now that can range from anybody putting up a few hundred dollars, Brandon, most people don't consider that, um, to depending what part of the world you are in New York, it's $25,000. Um, other parts of $1,000, $5,000, dollars $100,000. You really don't see angels who are doing um, more than $250,000. Um, yeah. That's more like you're getting into VC world with those types of checks, um, VC venture um, venture capitalist world. Uh, but that's that's more or less an angel investor. But I don't want to, I know I said larger numbers. You can really start this with $500, $1,000. There's different ways, especially uh, for my, and I think I mentioned it at the when I was speaking at the event we both were yeah. at. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I think the diaspora should do is not just send remittances back home. We should start investing in companies or people we know who are doing good work. Not in people with just ideas. <laughs> um, not in people with just ideas because most people who send back, you, we don't have money to risk in that way. Somebody who's really already has product market fit, which means that they already know who their customer is. Customer is they know how to they know how to connect with the customer, and the customer has been paying them, not just willing. The customer already has been paying them money um, in order to fix that problem, right? So that's something I would say. Somebody who's doing and help them scale up because if you do this and if we start doing this in um, mass, what will happen is we will create the jobs that our family members who were sending remittances at home to can go and work at. So instead yeah. of having remittances, we can we can actually create a wonderful flywheel by doing that. Um, so I, that's something I would say in terms of angel investing, uh, looking at it from that angle. But also knowing when you're looking at angel investors, we we understand the risk. You know, or you should. <laughs> don't come to angel investing and you don't understand the risk, right? You're doing good if only nine out of 10 startups that you invest in uh, fail and one does remarkably well. So there's a high likelihood of failure in terms of in this investment landscape. So typically what we're looking for is companies that are going to grow at such a high multiple that it'll cover all our other investments, right? Not just the investment we made in this company. So we're looking for at least one company go 100x plus, okay? So it can cover all the other companies we invest 
invested. Plus, you're also looking at a longer timeline to exit. That's six to eight years. This is not something you're going to get back money from in one year, two year, three years. You're typically locked in for six to eight years at the earliest, unless there's like an early acquisition. But those are some things in angel investing. And it's a long road to go down, but those are some basics. No, that's what I love about you um, when you were a panelist at the event. And um, I think a lot of people misunderstand what it is to be an angel investor. And they want their return almost right away. And this is a startup we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> the business owner is just, you know, they need help to be, you know, just to pick up a little bit so the business can start somewhat. And then eventually you get your return in somewhere. But I really wanted to for you to clarify that. And uh, my follow-up question, you actually, I think, answered it, was what, what are the requirements that you look for in order to invest before you invest into a startup? Yeah, so... <laughs> I haven't been obeying it with my last. I just, I just sent out another wire. When was it? Thursday. Um, was to somebody technically outside. Of, no, no. The one just was inside the scope. So me, I, I want super scale. Um, things that are super scalable. So typically, any of the companies that I'm investing has to have a very scalable model, which usually means that they're attached to tech in some way or product in some way. And so for me, what I'm typically looking for is I'm looking for companies in the health tech field, health healthcare technology, uh, logistic technology, real estate slash construction tech. It was a wonderful company. So we, we added in construction tech for that education tech. And so th that's what I look for. But people have some people like food and beverage. Some people like, I don't, I don't know, there's just different, there's different fields you can dive into with angel investing. I also want to point out, I didn't actually start off doing cash investments. I started off doing sweat equity deals. And what that means is, and this is another way that um, Dasper can help out. What you have, you have the skill set that you developed over here, right? You have the skill set. Maybe you have one, two, three, four, five hours, 10 hours a week that you can, you can say, hey, instead of me giving cash, because what most businesses are utilizing the cash for is to go hire people, right? Hire people, buy equipment, hire people, buy equipment or marketing. Uh, so what you can do is say, hey, instead of this, maybe I'm a lawyer, maybe I'm a marketing person, maybe I have sales experience, uh, maybe I'm an accountant. Hey, instead of doing, I can help you with your books. I can help you um, when you're finding for half a percent of your company or 5% of your company or 1%, you probably wouldn't get 5% unless you're going to be doing this full time. Um, but you can you can do that and work your way in and start learning. And that's what I did. My first three of my first three deals um, was, was sweat equity deals. So that's another way to start learning and getting involved. No, that's really um, interesting. I haven't heard that one before. That's, equity. that's really good. Um, anything else? How can people actually, um, that's a great I guess, find you mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, start, I guess, for you to start, start looking at whatever they have to invest? So this is um, one I'll say even before. So I thought you were going to ask, how can people find deals? Um, that too. So, I was actually going to ask oh, that on I'm the sorry. side. Yeah. <laughs> no, because there's people that are looking for deals because there's Africans that want to give back home. Like where, where is that? So what's both sides of the coin? Then we'll answer. You start with one first. So let me start off with, uh, with where people can find deals. So there's a web, uh, there's, there's a few different websites. Uh, 
one of them is angellist.co uh, angellist.co and on angellist.co you're supposed to be a cr- accredited investor um, and what you can do on that is it you can join a syndication a syndication usually is a bunch of angels who are coming together to invest in something you don't have to come together with them but what you want is deal flow you can see the deals that they're pushing uh, they're pushing and promoting and saying hey these are things we're looking to invest in if you want to get in here you can see and that can be a quick way to start having massive deal flow um, because what you really need to say is you want to be eliminating companies not just jumping at the first thing you see but if you if you only see one or two deals it's going to make you feel pressured that hey you have to invest in this because you don't have um you don't have too many options so i would say looking at angellist.co one of my good friends eric osiapwan from ghana he has something going on he has something called angel fear africa they actually have an event going on um it's their 10th anniversary and it's happening let me see i just pulled it up for you it's happening november 29th through december 1st of this year but they're going to do it every year where they're bringing okay. together one of the things i love about eric is he understand he he understands that it's hard to raise money as a startup especially in africa so what he does he brings together a bunch of investors right and has a few different startups come into a room and pitch in front of maybe a room full of 50 to 150 investors wow. right so that greatly raises their chances and also puts you in front of a lot of opportunities that you can invest in yourself. So I'll say look into um, Eric Osiakwan and Angel Fear um, Africa. Africa, yes. Another, oh. yeah, there, there's there's a ton. Uh, but you said how to get in contact with me. So I'm very careful about um, giving people investment ideas. I say, hey, this is what I invest in. Do what you want. <laughs> I'm not going to say this, this is what I'm doing. And I tell my friends the same thing. Hey, this is what I'm doing. Don't look at me as an expert um, because investing is very risky and um, investing is very risky. And I'm not trying to take any, I'm not raising a fund. I'm not building something. I don't feel that I have that edge yet. When I have that edge, maybe I'll consider it, but I'm not, I I really don't like utilizing other people's money. Uh, what I would say is, though, I'm going to I've been getting a lot of questions, right? A lot of questions, um, a lot of things. So I'm going to start building out my other company, Italian Advisors, to more to be able to ha- handle other people's general questions around in financial literacy, self-development, entrepreneurship, leadership. Uh, so if you look us up on Instagram, Atani and Advisors, um, Atani Advisors, excuse me, on Instagram, we'll build that out more. And we'll also relaunch our YouTube channel because all these books I'm reading and all these yeah. questions. Getting, I think I have to merge that somehow to provide value. Um, so we'll we'll have we'll have a we'll have some for you to really be able to get the information you want. No, that uh, um, I'll be there on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of information. I have a lot of insights to to give. And uh, talking about books, uh, you read about <laughs> two hundred plus book a year. Listen, when you posted that on LinkedIn, I was just like, okay, how how is that fast? Like, do you? If if you're working 18 hours a day, do you even get the time to cut to have a book? It's like, how long does a book take you? Like, <laughs> so I'm a. I learned in law school. I, I'm a faster reader. Um, I had oh, to man. learn that. I learned that my second year of law school because I was a slow reader. Um, starting off in law school, and I it was like, oh, I, I'm not going to make it. Um, and thank God, by the middle of second year, it finally clicked in. My uh, my ability to read became exceedingly uh, rapid. 
what I would say is most of my books are, if you turn a regular reading length between six to 11 hours, um, I'm able to get them done in about two to three hours, wrapping them up in two to three hours. But I count that reading time as part of your work for me, especially as a CEO, especially as a leader, especially as somebody who um, gives advice to other people. It is my job to sharpen my sword. A lot of us just want to start hacking away at the tree instead of sharpening the axe first and spending two to three hours. And then only as Abraham Lincoln saying, spending most of the time sharpening the axe rather than packing up the tree. So that's that's how I look at reading. And in order to fulfill the goals um, that I have for myself and my family and my company, I really have to push myself. And that's why it's that 200 hours because um, I have a good friend, Dale Ferdinand. And one of the things he said when I started this journey is that it takes about 250 books to become an expert in something. Oh. Right? To top in something. So you're, you're there already. <laughs> so, so a lot of life is, especially if you're trying to reach your goals, is about compressing the time to get there, right? And how can you compress the time? Can you read more books? But that's not for everyone. There's actually another really good friend of mine, Abuka, um, who is very anti, um, he's, he's come around to it a bit, but he's very anti how many books I read. Um, he has a different process. And so that's why I say it's not for everyone. He has a different process. And I think Bob Proctor would even back him up a bit on this. He has a different process where he'll read one book, but he'll read it a hundred times. So he knows it inside and out. Um, he knows it inside and out. So I wouldn't say that reading that much is for everyone. I do suggest reading a lot, but maybe you want to read a few great books over and over again. However, I really think investing in these books because it's essentially people who have lived amazing lives, accomplished the things we want to accomplish. Yeah. They've distilled their life into a 20 to $25 product where if we were consulting them, it would probably cost $50,000 to $100,000. So I think it's a phenomenal investment in both in terms of the money you're spending and the time you're utilizing. Are you ever going to write your own book? Oh, we, um, at first I was like, no. <laughs> I was thinking, no. I think there's there's a lot of phenomenal books. However, if I think I can provide a unique insight, I will, I can provide a unique insight or that it's really needed. Um, maybe it's not even a unique insight. It's just that I have to reiterate a few points because maybe I'll be able to have a platform that can reach a few people that um, they would want to hear from me versus hearing it from somebody else. That's something I would consider. But if it is, it would have to be up to my quality standards. So <laughs> we'll see. Nothing's in mind right now is the short answer. Do you have any favorite book that you would like to share with us that, you know? It's uh, um, I have a ton of favorite books. Um, it's funny. Somebody asked me this. I was just at the, a few weeks ago, I was at the Columbia Africa Conference. My friend Boosie introduced me to one of her good friends who's doing some phenomenal stuff in, um, I think, Morocco. I believe it was Morocco. And uh, she asked me, what are the top five or 10 books I read this year and and I couldn't name it. Um, I really couldn't name it because I can name my favorite books, but once you start reading a lot, let me let me let me pause it like this. When you read a few books, um, you find that wow, every book is almost every book is changing your life. And I'm not saying that doesn't continue happening, but a lot of what you're experiencing and the books have great insight, but a lot of what is the um Dunning Kruger effect, right? So we read something or we learn something and we be, think we're an expert at it, right? That's like, hey, you go from zero to one and you're like, oh, this is the mountaintop. Yeah. <laughs> but then you read 50 more, and you're like, wait, I was so far from the answer. <laughs> no, that doesn't mean the book wasn't still phenomenal. It 
was, but yeah. you realize that. So I don't jump to, but um, some phenomenal books, I uh, think Unreasonable Hospitality. Uh, it's the book about uh, how, I think I don't want to misname his, uh, I think Will Greer. I don't want to misstate his name, but it's a book of how they created the number one restaurant in New York. Kept that for about four years running. And I actually took my wife there for our second anniversary and it was phenomenal. I love the book. So this is less business, but this is what I love to read people's stories, especially it's business, but success. Trevor Noah. I could not believe, um, what is it called? Born, Born of Crime. I think I read that two yeah. years ago. Could not believe his story. Um, oh, I'm here to read that book, actually. Uh, one of my friends actually sent it to me and it's in my um, my, my book list to read. Everybody talks, mm -hmm. everybody talks about his story a lot. Oh, God. It, it's, I'm not going to spoil it, but it almost made me, it almost brought me to tears in terms of just what he, it was, it was something. And you, you look at people and you realize you really don't know almost anybody's story till they tell you. You really have no idea. I know that I know um, there's a new Elon Musk book, but I loved his book SpaceX. Was it SpaceX? By um, I think Ashley, Ashley, I'm forgetting her last name, but um, Ashley wrote it. Oh, other books. Um, I like 10X by Grant Cardone. 10X by Grant Cardone. Traction. That's a phenomenal book for business owners by Gino Whitman. It's a phenomenal. If you can just read that book and build your business around it, it's going to put you light years ahead. Traction. The book Angel for the people who want to do um, angel investing. The book Angel. The book Angel is a phenomenal book. Sheesh, I, I can go on forever. There are, it really depends what you're looking for, but there are a ton of amazing books out there. Do you read actual books or you also listen? So I primarily listen. Um, and this is comes from most of them. Oh wait, you, 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 this is audio. Yes. Oh, so nice. I, I primarily listen. So I'll say I do 99, 98% listening and then I'll read a few books. Uh, and that's because most as a business owner, most of what you're doing is reading. You're reading reports, um, you're reading messages, you're reading emails, things like that. So I, I don't have the bandwidth to read, but however, whether I'm um, in a car, driving, um, commuting one way, I can pl put in my headphones and I'm there and I can focus. Uh, some people would prefer physical books. That's okay. But in order for me to get to my goals, I prefer reading. And that's another thing I'll say. You have to find out what type of learner you are, right? True. There's, there's, I think, four modes of learning, right? There's auditory. So if you, you like listening to things, uh, visual, you're a visual learner, kinesthetic, you like learning by um, doing, etc. Um, and linguistic, that's like reading. Um, you prefer learning by reading. So you have to figure out what's mode that you learn best and that you can sustain for whatever goal you're going to. No, I, um, I, I for me, I prefer audio. So a, a, lot, a lot of it when I'm in the car and uh, I, I used to like the books, the actual book, but then it became a little bit mm -hmm. too much mm -hmm. for me and the audio became more easier because I did miss reading. So I'm like, okay, I think audio is better for me right now at this stage where I am. I'm a too busy of a mom. <laughs> Um, and <laughs> if I'm in the car, I can actually zone in and actually listen uh, in on a book. Okay. And that's fantastic. And I'm going to just hammer it. There's, it reminds me of one more book. So that's like my brain is a sea of information. It's not in perfect chambers. Dots connect when people say things. Um, yes. And, and so one of the things... Don't figure out how you can achieve your goal. You don't have to make it harder or the steps harder. And one of the things you found is um, what has less friction for you to do. And listening has less friction than reading. And that's a, um, a great principle you can get from another one of my favorite books. I read it though, read maybe four years ago, Atomic Habits. It really talks about how you can actually change your behavior. So Atomic Habits is a phenomenal, phenomenal book. Nice. Listen, I, I know you're on vacation. This is such an honor. And I, I, I was so surprised that you actually Jeffcorn while on vacation. I appreciate you so much. And uh, this has been such uh, a, a, an enlightenment of, of a conversation because I was
was hoping you were back home here in New York and we could be. <laughs> but uh, last question for you. Have you found your concrete passion? Uh, short answer, no. Uh, no. And um, I guess that short and long answer is no. But <laughs> to elaborate on that a bit, I, I know we said, what do people do, right? We were talking in the past, like, what do people do to de-stress, right? To deal with being an entrepreneur. And I have very lofty goals. I know that. But sometimes I forget to stop and check in how much I've done, how much I've actually accomplished. Like here, I'm here on vacation in an amazing place uh, and able to do this, take my wife, et cetera, enjoy this. And I've been able to travel a lot across the world. Yeah. We both have accomplished a ton. So there's many people who look at my life and like, no, you've, you've hit your concrete. <laughs> you've hit your concrete. But I, I don't feel there's still so much I have to do and I want to do. Uh, what does that look for, like for me? Yeah. Oh, a few things. So I want to invest in 1,000 startups, right? I want to invest in 1,000 startups. I'm at, um, I'm still in the low double digits, right? <laughs> I'm still in the low double digits. So I want to invest in start 1,000 startups. Wow, that's I a also... huge deal. <laughs> yeah. Huge deal. Yeah. You are literally helping someone. Uh, get their business up to where maybe might have not been not for you. So mm -hmm. I think you should be proud. That 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 is concrete. <laughs> that that is true. That yeah. is true. Uh, okay. and this so much more I want to do around the community. Right? Uh, one of the things I, I look at money as money is a tool, right? Money is a tool. And I want to build a billion dollar company. And most people think, oh, a billion dollars. It's it's more than that, right? It's not, it's more than money. To get to a billion dollars, um, one, you have to drastically improve yourself, uh, drastically improve myself. And the problems I want to solve. So there's some things that really touch my heart. Uh, a thing that I've been, uh, sorry, <laughs> go collect myself. A thing that I've cared about a lot since I was young was clean running water. Not just clean water, but running water. Especially some of our towns, our villages still don't have running water. And if we're able to solve that, I think that'll free up people to go on and pursue other things. Um, I know to, uh, there's culturally there's some issues with running water projects that's happened in the past, but that's the passion of mine. Infrastructure. I was in a certain um, African city last year or two years ago, and I didn't realize how much I, we take infrastructure for granted in the U.S. and in New York. So things like, which is still going on, things like burning trash and the pollution that's creating, right? If we're able to create something that it's it's not a, it's not, hey, I want to start a, I want to start a garbage collection company, but it's something that can be so advantageous to our communities and really change the trajectory of people's lives because we don't know how many people are losing to air pollution across certain cities. And I think to solve, a, there's other problems, but I, to wrap it up, to solve a lot of the problems, I need to be, I need to be a better thinker. Right. That's part of the reason why I'm reading so much. I need to be a better thinker. I need the financial resource. I don't like, even though I talked about I'm more humble now, I still don't like asking for people for money. So I'd rather just have the money. So if I see a problem, I can go there and solve the problem. Um, knowing that. <laughs> you said that we we have to have that humility and we can be able to ask. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I don't, I hate being a hypocrite. So I'm going, I'm still working. I'm still working on being able to ask for certain things. I, I'm still working on that. Don't um, worry. I, I'm, I want to bring that up because I have the same problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm still working on that. Uh, and finally, I think it's uh, money doesn't solve enough. You have to have the right team, right? You have to have the right team and right network. So I believe in building a billion dollar company. I'll be able to have the right people around me that I don't just trust with building this company. We can say, hey, let's go try to help out this city, this town, this neighborhood, right? This country. Yeah. Let's go try to help that. And I'll have 
the people I can trust. So it's not just a money thing, it's a people thing, right? Do you have the right people around it? Because you can throw money at a problem and <laughs> you, have, you have an even bigger problem later. So those are some of the things that I'm thinking about and what I'm working towards, God willing. Listen, God is always willing and I love the problem solving. Um, I remember growing up and I, just to um, take you back for my little story. Growing up, I grew up very rural and when we used to go get water in a well and that water to today I can test how it tastes so uh, I don't even know God knows what's in it <laughs> and you would put a whole bucket that all the way down it's so dark you don't even where that bucket is going and it would come up with water and when it comes up water there's like stuff in it you'd have mm -hmm. to you know do your best to wait for it to settle down and drink the water from there it, it's going to be uh, serving a lot of lives when you actually get to do that I, I, I'm looking forward to for you to do that yeah thank you very much yeah no thank you so much for your time again this has been an honor to have you on oh i forgot one thing sorry um yeah anybody who's seen this i'm looking for somebody to help me out with uplift communities and operations so if you're phenomenal at operations you know how to um, process map um thinking systems you're very analytical please please email uh team at upliftcommunities.com we are looking for somebody now are you only hiring uh us or this can be remote um i need a just person for my remote team um so i have a i have a i need somebody to help me i need an integrator first of all i need somebody who's an integrator so if you understand that read the book traction you'll understand exactly what that is i need an integrator so that can be remote somewhat um but in terms of operations i need somebody in new york um, specifically because they have to physically manage the team at least for the time being okay no because i'm asking there's so many listeners from all over the world and if there's somebody who qualifies even if they're outside we, we, yeah. they can apply uh yeah if, if you're interested write comments down um i'll have my hr person because we are hiring for other things we're hiring for marketing we're hiring for um a few video editors graphic designers etc um that's not necessarily top of my mind right now yeah. it's more the operations person top of mind but if you leave something or leave your contact information i'll have uh, my hr person look at this video and see who we can possibly reach out to in the future for it and that's for remote those things lovely are lovely how can we how, how can the people find you reach you follow you how can we support you i think linkedin is the best way to stay somewhat um feel free to message me a few times because even though i say i'm not on there too much linkedin is the best way instagram as well i'm going to try to get better uh one of my business advisors says that i can't be the best kept secret so i need to post more um so that's my that's my 2024 i'm actually building out my team that's why i said marketing content to do more of that i will be more active on Instagram to Chumbo Atande Instagram, but you also can follow the company Atande Advisors on Instagram and Uplift Communities on Instagram. And we'll be doing a lot more and some things for the general public as well. Lovely. I'll have everything in the show notes for everybody to reach out, connect. Again, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Pleasure. Thank you for having me on. This was wonderful. And thank you for what you're doing for the um, diaspora. Uh, all of us, thank you. I know you're, you're really bridging that gap in media, stories it's such a big part of that so thank you this is not easy <laughs> i know keeping up doing research <laughs> using you. editing copying posting all that so thank, thank you thank you very much thank you so much that's it on today's episode it's truly an honor to serve each and every dreamer concrete precious now provides targeted services to dreamers coming to the us of a we assist you to successfully integrate we are here to support you as you write your new chapter kindly check out our services in the link tree until next time keep dreaming